0: So is it is it drinking time over in Madrid already? It it's always be. drinking time bad bad question. Well, it's 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 early afternoon post lunch. So I guess it's fair to say that yeah, you could be drinking right now without people looking funny at you. It's yeah. Saturday. But I'm not. For the record, <laughs> I am not. This may be the only episode where I'm not drinking, but Feels kind of weird.
1: <laughs> I'm having coffee. That doesn't count. It goes the other way.
0: Well, you're you're allowed to pour some, some whiskey in your coffee,
1: so I don't, I don't get that. Fun. We call it Baileys. That's not a thing that I do. I, I I. don't understand the appeal. I don't either, but some people do. Do you guys have Baileys
0: over in Spain? We do have, yeah. Baileys is great. Yeah. And we have the homemade version, which is a lot better. I believe that. <laughs> Stronger? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same thing, but it's literally homemade. So.
2: <laughs> but you are in Madrid though, right? Like you're not I am, somewhere yes. on the other side of the planet. It's hard to keep track of you these days. Yes,
0: I've been back in Madrid since... Since January fifteenth, so it's been nice being back home. Well, not nice because it's super cold. It's been super cold for the past okay. seven days or so. Okay, super yeah, cold. Yeah. Please. by tell Spanish us about, standards, please tell I mean us how cold it is by in Spanish Spain. standards. I mean, well, when you when you switch in in thirteen hours, when you switch from forty degrees Celsius with close to a hundred percent humidity to minus four. Uh, with zero humidity, you, you betcher as you can tell the difference. Yeah. So, oh yes, you that's can. a big. Yeah, I believe the temperature it. differential was was rough when I got
2: here. So so it's quite a regular thing here for folks around in, in southern Manitoba to like they go to Mexico and they'll go to the hottest part of Mexico for right. the middle of January and then they come back and it's so it's plus forty to like minus forty because it's been minus forty here for like a week. So, nice. That's anyway. insane. Eighty degrees. That'll that'll kill you. Eighty perfect, degrees.
0: Perfect time for a jog in the park. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Literally, that will kill you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, welcome back there, sir.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you. How, have have you guys been? Like it's it. been a while, yeah. Yeah, we made it to the new year in the
2: interim. So far, the world hasn't ended, so we keep pushing forward.
1: Well, is that the bar? That's pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: God. What are, what are you guys planning to do over the next few months? Do you, do you guys have any uh, you know, New Year goals, resolutions, anything to start a year in good spirits?
1: I'm not a big resolution person. In general, like I, I think that I've fallen into that trap where you sort of, you set these lofty, sort of vague things, right. and then you you can't accomplish them because they're not actionable. Um, so I've sort of sh- shifted away from um resolutions per se, and and tried to make a more concrete set of goals or rules. And uh, I was a little late, right. like I didn't have them ready for for the first, but I did share with you guys my my list of uh of I I guess goals or, or lifestyle changes that I'm intending to make. So there's there's that.
2: I like the first
1: one. That was, that was a good one. Nice and vague. <laughs> yeah. For the record, the first one said money stuff or something like that, which... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's like priority number one all the time.
0: I find the trick to meeting your new year's resolutions is to write them deliberately, vaguely enough so that basically at any point during the year, you can say, okay, that's good enough. exactly. (laughs) And you still meet the goal, right? That's the trick. It works every time. Setting a low bar is the key for happiness. I I say that all the time.
2: (laughs) Uh, I had one, I had one resolution and it was to, um, or I had a couple, but one of them was to work out more just like every other person on planet earth or at least in North America. Um, And uh, I failed on day two. So Still haven't worked you out. Gotta, you gotta be specific <laughs> about it though, because
1: mine—I've got a fitness one as well, but it's—I've—I've I've made it concrete. Like I'm—I'm I'm going to the gym twice a week. That's the—that's the sort of concrete goal. It's not just like be more active or do exercise, right? Because right? that doesn't—you know.
0: See, that's where you're wrong, because that, that's a recipe for disaster. Be more active is the perfect New Year's.
1: Exactly,
2: <laughs> that's, I, I agree. <laughs> See, like if Apple Watch tells me to stand up, I'm being more active just by standing up. Now I've succeeded. It's just like the, right? the episode of anyway. low bars, I think. That's, that's what I'm getting from you two here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got out from bed this morning, there you go. I'm active. Wow. Gold med. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm active.
2: That's better than yesterday. I didn't get out of bed. <laughs> so
0: anyway, not to be no, no, not not to add to the cliché, but I also uh it's it's not a formal resolution. I don't do those to be honest, but I did start going to the gym uh last week actually. And Nice work. Uh, yeah, and then so far it's been great. I've I've uh, gone every weekday so far. So Nice. Is yeah. that the plan to continue going to every say, weekday? Yeah. That's my plan i want to just build it into my daily routine yeah. you know it's just a normal thing that i do it doesn't have to be super intense or anything but i know that i have a full hour that i'm going to be there sure. so i might as well make the most of it once i'm there uh, but yeah so far it's been working great awesome so i'm happy about it
2: yeah how about on the photography side oh do you guys have well
0: anything? i and on the photography side i've deliberately stayed away from making any public resolutions uh, I do want to try and explore some, some stuff, but I don't want to, uh, you know, make a commitment to anything because I find those don't, don't work very well for me or they haven't in the past at least. That's fair. Uh, and I'm specifically, I, I, I thought about doing one of those 365 projects, but I never, yeah, it's, it's. Oh, that it's, would
2: be so hard. I'm I'd terrible with
0: those. So no. No, no, not this year. Maybe next year. Who knows?
1: I think the once a week ones are a little bit more practical. The the 52 week challenge, because right. it's it's a little more, um, I, I find that you can be a little more considered with the images because you're not, you don't end up in a situation where like every day at like 8 p.m. You're like, oh crap, I haven't shot anything yet. And you like try and artfully arrange a, Here,
2: here's a picture of exactly, my hand, <laughs> exactly. Like it just,
1: you know, that's, that sort of encourages low effort stuff. Um, and I think that you can work up to that, but I, I just, I don't know. It's my impression that you should do, um, like a 52 week challenge successfully before you tackle a 365 one. Cause you'll probably get more out of it that way. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what would be a good new year's resolution now that I think of it? At some point during the year, I should finally get through all the edits that I still have to do. Like, yeah, from, Toronto photo photos of are of great. You know, yeah, Six because I have late. literally thousands of pictures waiting to be edited, uh, sitting on my hard drive. Yes, and uh, I am just, I can't be bothered to, <laughs> to tackle that. But seriously, I seriously, really your Paris, that,
2: that Paris photo story that you did like, uh, I don't know, was it a year and a half ago? And you have it on uh, analog census?
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was New Year's of 2016, right. I think. So right. yeah. So
2: like that's still I love that one. You've got like a map on there, and you've got a different. Do that for every other trip. It'll take you like three or four weeks full time, but that's fine. Yeah, I, probably because those, those for every trip.
0: I mean, I love the result, but those do take quite quite a bit of work. Now that I have the template set up,
2: it should like be a, less work now. The next yeah. one yeah, should co- be easier. Yeah. yeah, but just copy. Paste, I do done. want to
1: register my mm-hmm. vote as well for you guys doing some edits of your photos because. Myself and everyone right. else in our Slack channel is still waiting to see those. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on, on, are we talking about Toronto here? I've got my photo yeah, story. Yeah, yours,
1: yours is up. Yours is up. You're fine. But, but Alvaro is not. And yours
2: isn't, Marius. Well, I
1: live here. There's no story for me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It's a special week. Uh, and you yeah. know it. Yeah, but I didn't take as many photos as you guys. So that's...
0: Fair enough. Anyway, the, the, the problem for me is that since I share all those images on Instagram you know, while I'm on the trip, I just don't have the energy to revisit them once I'm back. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem. If I if I hadn't shared any images during the trip, I'd be eager to get through them when I got home. But I just can't can't wait. Every time I'm on I'm on a trip, I just wanna share not many, but just a few images. Like I like I just did from my er, trip to Argentina, which we're gonna talk about more in a in a few yeah. minutes
1: yeah you have an interesting approach like that, because I, for instance, do not tend to share any images while I'm traveling. I, I just don't right. do that. Um, mostly because I like to be away when I'm away. if that makes any sense. like I right. don't I don't really want to be in contact with social media if I can avoid it while I'm gone. So I don't really feel the pull to immediately share stuff. And I also find that when I do share stuff uh, sort of in the short term, um, those are the images that I tend to look back on later and be like, ah, you know, I, I wish I'd waited on posting that. I wish I had, uh, you know, posted a more oh, refined sure. edit or something like that. And I just, you know.
0: Sure, that happens to me right. too. Especially with more complex edits like the perspective correction, yeah. you know, the upright yeah. mode that Lightroom Mobile doesn't support right, yet. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that. But I find Instagram, the na- the native Instagram app does a fairly good enough job of that. So that's what I've been using. Yeah,
1: and there's also that that dedicated. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's like Screw It or something like that, literally, but it, in all caps, like SKRWT. Um, <laughs> Great that, app that is basically designed for perspective correction, and it does a, a really excellent job. Um, so that's that's sort of a, a way to do, a, you know, a more uh, precise. We should
0: throw that in the in the show notes because I don't, I, I'm not aware of that. Okay,
2: yeah, we'll we'll toss a link in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, it's it's good, it's good. I think the only issue though is, I'm, not, I'm just looking at it like as we speak and the last update was I feel like it's been a long time since it's been updated. Yeah, 6 months ago right. was the last update. I don't think it's got an iPhone 10 Oh, that's not either, promising. So, so it's a, not. Yeah, that sucks. But it's a great app. A great app.
0: But I like what you said, Mari is that you like to be away when you're away. Uh, I like that too when and honestly the the main reason I post to Instagram or Facebook is just for my family. That's the that's the only People I care about, uh, I want them to see the images while I'm still there, you know, because one, it signals that I'm still alive and still having fun, which is important. And, and it lets them know that I'm, that I'm having a good time, which is...
1: Yeah, but see, I I I text them, like I don't, don't, that social media for me is not a way to keep in touch with family and close friends. Like I I send them things directly if that's the intent. And I do like from, from Africa, the only, um, connection that i made was basically sending the occasional photo and and message to my mom right. and to you know close friends and exactly for the reason you said like i'm still alive i'm playing with fun animals i'm <laughs> seeing cool things you know the lion has not bit my yet. head off yet so it's just things like that <laughs> but it's that's something that i don't um, again i don't turn to social media to do um which is just a difference in that's fair enough. in approach i guess but
2: anyway any other like new year's things that you guys like let's say that the calendar flips over. Any photo things that you guys do? Do you guys have anything like that you do with your catalogs or anything like that, or you just like let photos build up on your hard drive and then?
0: Well, my original plan work? was to, to yeah, to sort of uh, let everything from 2017 and earlier uh, just stay in their current catalog and start a new one from scratch in 2018. But since Lightroom switched uh, everything around with the new CC plans and everything, I find that. I don't need to do that anymore. I like the fact that all my images are up in the cloud and so far it's been working great for me. So I'm happy to continue building on on that collection of images. And really, I haven't launched Classic CC in, I guess, over two months, pretty much since I started using the the cloud-based app full-time, I haven't had a reason to go back to
1: Classic yet. That's awesome. That's a good vote of confidence for for Classic. For, um, yeah, it CC is. Players. It really is. Yeah.
0: I mean, I haven't tackled the more complex edits, like the the Panorama Merge, which I like to do from time would to you, time. And I still have... Would you
1: be doing those in Lightroom, or would you be using Photoshop for those anyway?
0: I I tend to do them in Lightroom. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I like the automation. I find the, the process is simpler. Right, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I have a few of those lined up to to work on from the argentina trip especially if the waterfalls, i don't know if they're gonna turn out good enough because as you know moving water is not a very good use case for those because the algorithm gets confused yeah it can be tricky but yeah it i'm i mean i'm gonna give it a try but so far i haven't gotten to it yet but other than that i've been very very happy with uh, with the cloud-based app just plain lightroom cc
1: yeah, I don't do any like catalog stuff. Um, at the end of the year, I've um I found that it doesn't make any difference to the performance of Lightroom or anything like that to have separated catalogs per year. Like I've got, I think everything going back to 2014 or 2015 in this Lightroom catalog, and it's just fine. Um, so I I never really saw the the point in splitting things up, especially because um, it is nice to to know that you can access your full archive within one catalog and you don't have to switch and right. you don't have to like, oh, that catalog is on this external drive somewhere else and blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's more streamlined for me. Um, and yeah, like I said, my my understanding is, and I, some people have actually gone through a lot of effort to test this and their results seem to indicate that it doesn't, um, it shouldn't affect Lightroom's performance, whether you have a, a big catalog with multiple years or not, um, as long as your, your sort of preview settings and and all of that is, is, um, is done correctly. So yeah, for me, it's, it's not, it's, I don't do anything on the catalog side. Um, but I do have some, some like personal photography resolutions that I'm, that I'm trying to implement. And it was part of my little, uh, lifestyle rule change. Um, the most important are that I'm, I'm getting rid of, um, all access to, local classifieds and to most camera forums. <laughs> and uh the reason I'm doing that's that a is a nice because-
0: follow-up. That's a nice follow-up from our previous episode, you know, sell everything and be done with it.
1: Yeah. And we and that's effectively what I've <laughs> what I've been doing. Um and it's I'm obviously not everything, but but I'm I'm streamlining and I'm I'm trying to pull myself away from um from the sources of temptation and the things that make you feel like your gear is inadequate. Um, because right. I find that the vast majority of conversation and discussion and um, stuff that goes on on those forums is people um, second guessing their choices and asking for advice, and you are exposed to the sort of vast array of of choices that are uh, out there for photographers now, and it's it's overwhelming in a way that is not conducive to improving your skills set, which is what we should all be striving for. And I just find that I get lost in it too easily. So I'm making a, a, a deliberate effort this year to just detach from that entirely because it's not, it's not productive and it's bad enough. Like you guys know this as well as I do that when, when we have access to review units of stuff as, as, you know, product evaluators, um, that in itself is a horrible thing for temptation and second guessing and blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I enjoy product review a lot. Like that's, it's, it's a real privilege to be able to do that. But I think that's about the limit of where I want my temptation and second guessing to come from. I don't need to exacerbate that with forums and with other (laughs) crap like that as well. So yeah, that's, that's sort of my photography related thing. I'm, I'm with you, Alvaro. I don't really want to set any goals about, um, the photography itself. I I do like to play that by ear, see where it takes me, um, serendipity has been kind to me over the years in terms of photography. so i'm I'm happy to to let it continue to, you know, steer me in whatever direction my interests go. But, um yeah, this is something concrete that is just trying to minimize the uh, obsession on the technical side of things.
0: Well, I fully endorse your resolution, but I got ten bucks here that say you don't make it through March.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I'll take that bet though. I'll take that bet though, because I need to, I need to stay accountable. And that's, that's why I'm putting it on air too. You know, if you guys see me on forums, tell me to, you know, tell me to piss off because it's...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So these are going to be the the easiest 10 bucks of my life. So how's that X-Pro2 doing on the, on those forums? Yeah, right. it's doing poorly. So that's the last bastion. That's
1: the last bastion right now. Is trying. To, I, I take
0: PayPal if you want. That's oh yeah,
1: okay. I'm not paying fees so that you can win a bet. No, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the that's been the sort of sticking point right now is that I uh, I have one last body and no lenses, um, and that has to go before I can um, before I can shut all those accounts down because. I, I need to move it. And that's unfortunately the, the best way that I know of, of, of selling this. Um, although I, I have been tempted to just toss it up on eBay because, um, then I can sort of fulfill my resolutions and get this sold. Right. So I might do that.
0: All right. Just, I just wanted to add a, a quick comment on Lightroom before we move on. And that's that for the first, this is the first time for me, uh, I've never experienced this before. Uh, but It still blows my mind just how convenient and powerful it is to have my entire photo library in my phone. Yeah. And I know iCloud Photo Library people will be saying, duh, but I I had never had access to this before. Uh, I I committed to uploading my entire catalog to CC and uh, I couldn't be happier. And I find that the apps do a terrific job of being smart enough to optimize local storage so I never get... uh, you know, those warnings that your device is out of storage or whatever. And it seems like they do a really good job of fetching the originals whenever it's needed. And I've been super happy with it so far. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah.
1: The killer feature as compared to iCloud is that you you actually get manual control over what photos are downloaded locally on each device. Um, and that that I think is what makes all the difference because iCloud Photo Library, yes, you you technically... Have access to everything and it technically is supposed to manage storage for you. But um, as I recently discovered, it doesn't do an, a very good job of fulfilling that promise. And just the, the tiny little bit of extra control that Lightroom Mobile gives you um, is, is all it takes to, to make that a, a superior choice, especially for um photographers who also like to edit their photos. It's not just a, a means of storage and access, it's also a way to um to work on photos on the go. And to have those edits synchronized wherever you go. So it's
0: exactly. Yeah. I should, I should remark that I'm talking about role files. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Anyway. Yeah. That's good to hear, though. I'm, I'm, I'm still jealous because I, again, I'm, I'm stuck in this place where I, I I don't really have a clear way to move from um, my current Adobe subscription to a CC one that can hold my entire catalog um, without, I think, quadrupling my monthly cost or something crazy like that. So it's not. It's not ideal, and so I'm 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 trying to like puzzle through it, and and one of the solutions might be to, um, to actually to do what Josh is doing and and like draw a line in the sand and say, okay, I'm starting fresh for 2018, new catalog, and it's going to live in CC. Um, but I haven't I haven't done that yet, so I'm I'm still I'm still in classic, and I'm still waffling. But um, I do I am jealous of of having all of my photos accessible through Lightroom Mobile without having to manually synchronize them. Through um, through classic, the way that I have to do now per collection,
0: right? But if I remember correctly, all you're missing is the edit history because you do export your finished images uh, out to iCloud Photo Library, right?
1: I do, yeah, I do. But I right. honestly, so you do have the images. I but- do have the images. Yeah, it's it's not a, a problem of access. I think for me, it's just there's there's a degree of redundancy in the way that I'm doing things now that I'd rather not be the case. Like I think if I if I went all in on Lightroom CC. I would feel more comfortable, um, not having that extra output step to, um, iCloud photo library. It would be something I'd have to explore, but it's, it's again, it's something that I can't really uh, dig into right now because I, I can't use Lightroom CC the way that, uh, that I would want to, which is to, to throw everything into it. Like you did.
0: One of my favorite things about the whole process is that I can now import my images on any device and the result yeah. is always the same. The originals end up in the cloud and then Eventually, they'll end up on my master catalog on my MacBook Pro, and every other device gets the smart preview version, which is great because some images I import from the iPad, some images I import from the iPhone, some images I import directly on the MacBook Pro. And the end result is always the same. I love that. I can't tell you how much I love that. Uh, Yeah, one thing I didn't like at all was that I'd have separate catalogs depending on whether I used my old MacBook Pro or the iMac, and then I'd have to manually merge those collections, and that was terrible. This just completely solved that, and that just improves my experience a lot. So... I'm super happy yeah. about
1: that. Yeah. It makes sense. And it's like you said, it's unified and and it means that the workflow as well is, is pretty much the same regardless of device. And and that's really where things are going in general. Yeah. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't need three different workflows for three different devices in an ideal world.
0: And it's great that I'm not missing any functionality. Like I used to think that I needed to take my laptop with me if I wanted to be able to work properly with my images. Yeah, I don't feel that way at all anymore. I left, uh, Macbook Pro behind during the Argentina trip that was a full 17 days. I didn't miss it at all. Amazing. And to be honest, I don't think I'm ever going to take it with me on a long trip again because the only reason I the only reason I used to take it was for photo editing and photo uploading purposes, but now that I can do that, you know, on the iPad, ideally because that's the more comfortable device. Just I just don't I, I'm never bringing the laptop again.
2: <laughs> Future iPad is in in the works. I can I can smell it already.
1: <laughs> Tell us
2: about the trip though, because we we we've only heard snippets
1: and you haven't really you know told us the the good stories. Well, what can I say?
0: I mean, I loved it. It's a gorgeous country. Uh, well, two countries actually, because I also visited Uruguay. Uh, it's a it's a gorgeous region. First time ever that I've been there, and and it hasn't been a a photo heavy trip. Like I haven't been very focused on the photography side of it. I've been mostly enjoying the experience, having fun, visiting right. friends, and of course getting to know all these places. Uh and I did take a fair amount of of pictures, but it was never I never like took a trip just to get this or that image. It, it wasn't like that at all. Sure. Yeah. Uh, which I find is the more enjoyable way to travel in my experience. Because once you get too focused on the photography side of things, you kind of, once you get back home, you you think, okay, I have these cool images, but I haven't really experienced what it is like to live in those places or what it is like to to be present in the moment. And I find that it's a shame. And um, I, I made a conscious effort not to let it happen this time around. And I think I, I did a pretty good job of it. And And I'm very happy about it. Of course, there's just, there were places where you just couldn't help but take the camera out and take images because they were just gorgeous. Like we went to the base of the Aconcagua mountain, which is the tallest mountain outside of Asia. Right. It's almost 7,000 meters wow. tall, which is incredible. And how can you not take a picture of that, right? I mean, it was completely worth carrying uh, the camera and the two lenses with me in the backpack just to take that picture. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And then Iguazu, the, the the waterfalls, they are just dropped at gorges. Lots of wildlife around. Uh, it's just a dream come true. It's probably the most beautiful natural landscape I've ever seen in my life. Cool. Yeah, that's no no exaggeration. Sorry, sorry to <laughs> to to compare them to Niagara Falls, but it's really just the. They're so different. It, it's not even worth comparing the two, I think.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, I'm going to ask you the important question, though. How many mosquitoes did you eat?
0: Well, I, d- <laughs> I, I managed to get through the full trip
1: without eating any. How interesting that you could, you could go through an entire <laughs> yeah. trip without eating any mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah.
0: against all odds, right? Yeah. But I did get a few bites, unfortunately, even though I use repellent. Uh, they are just very persistent little bugs. Yes, they are. And uh, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I, I didn't have any serious problems uh, from it. They didn't bite me in, you know, inconvenient places, mostly in the arms and legs. So Well,
1: that's what, that's what matters. <laughs> that's <fine.
2: laughs> <Yes>. Inconvenient places. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but
0: if they bit you in the face, that's, yeah, the face. that's not no. ideal because then you're, you're all swollen up yep. and it, I've had mosquitoes bite me in the, or sting me in the eye, in the eyelid in the past and that's terrible. Yes, but. Luckily, this time everything went <laughs> went well, and I survived the experience. Inconvenient places. Uh, I'm not going to unpack that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, let's <laughs> let's not. Let's move on. <laughs> so, anyway, in in terms of um, of the photography of the trip, like I said, it was only occasional, but but it was really really rewarding and and fun. And in terms of the gear that I took with me, I was very happy with my selection. I only took the camera and two lenses. I left it the tripod behind. And I took everything in my Peak Design backpack, which worked fantastically for the trip. Even the the height to the Aconcagua mountain, the bag was always super comfortable. It held everything I needed it to. And uh, I just have nothing nothing but praise um, to share about it. Yeah, it's a pretty was, fabulous which bag. Which is great. Yeah. And it, you made an interesting comment before, Marius. You said that the importance is to not feel that your gear is inadequate for the job, and I I'm very happy to say that my gear performed excellently. I I didn't want for anything.
1: Perfect. What was the verdict on the twenty four to seventy? Because I know this was a bit of a of a a trip where you were trying to figure out what the what the future of that lens is going to be.
0: Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna sound controversial because judging exclusively from my experience during the trip i s I'd say the lens performed excellently i I had no complaints about it whatsoever. I appreciated the small and light uh form factor. I think the image quality is still plenty good enough for my needs mm-hmm. and judging from the results I've gotten from it not not just during this trip but in the past i i mean I already knew that to be the case and it's it's great to be able to confirm it once again. But having said that, I'm more convinced than ever that I need to sell it, and it, it's it's got nothing to do with the trip. It's got something to do with a report I read from Lens Rentals. You know the the site where they do. Yep. Uh, it's a site they they rent lots of camera equipment, and you can rent it for any number of days. And they also have their own um, repair service, and this is uh, this is important because one of the. Uh, one of the things I learned about the lens was that it uses a very old and primitive uh, focus motor that is extremely prone to failure over time. Because apparently the the element that joins the motor to the actual glass is just glued together, oh. and the glue is apparently defective. Like it's a it's a recognized design problem with the lens, and uh, I think it's Roger. Sicala I think it's the name mm-hmm. of the guy who, who writes the the blog in, in lensrentals.com. He says that it, it's two early Sony lenses that have this problem, the 55mm and the 24 to 70 f4, both of which I used to own. The 55 I already sold and this is on its way out. Yeah. Because of this problem because they see it all the time, they come in for a repair. It is repairable, but it's only buying you some time because it's eventually going to probably fail again down the road, which is not ideal. And the, the proof of, of the putting, like like they say, it's that they changed the, the design for every other lens from then up to now. So no other lens in the Sony ecosystem uses that design anymore. And I think that's pretty pretty telling. So I've decided to sell it, not because there's anything wrong optically or in terms of performance with the lens, but because I don't trust its its ability to survive uh, in the long term, which is disappointing, but it is what it is
1: no, but that's a reasonable uh that's a reasonable explanation for why you'd want to sell something because especially when it comes to lenses um, when you're invested in a system, a lens is designed to to last you a long time, like several years, right so the long term durability and everything like that is is a is an important factor and that's why um that's why it's hard to judge young systems right um in general because you know when you compare to the nikons and the canons that that literally have 20 year old lens designs that are still in active use that's you know that's obviously a proven thing but when your entire ecosystem is less than a decade old it becomes more difficult to judge its long-term viability because there is no long-term viability data yet um so this is this right. it exactly. seems wise to me to protect yourself because like you said, I mean, and Sony in particular moves so quickly that if they're, you know, if they recognize that flaw in their design, they've already corrected it. It's just, it's a growing pain and, and you can, you can find a, a more recently designed lens that will mitigate that. Um, although what, what's your, what are you leaning towards to replace it? If you do part with this 24 to
2: 70, I was going to say, I, I know a recently designed lens that would fit. His, uh, <laughs> fit his uh, yeah.
0: Actually, I'm not replacing it with anything.
2: Oh okay. I'm
0: just going to sell it and pocket the money. So I'm going to try and see how how I adjust without a without a 24 to 70 lens. Right. And if I can if I can get by, I'll I'll probably get a, like an 85 prime or something like that. I want to go back to having three uh, prime lenses as my main piece of kit, but eventually I'll probably just replace it with either the 24 to 105 f5 f4 or the 24 to 70 GM. Right. I still haven't decided about it, and I'm just kicking the can down the road because I don't want to think about it right now.
1: Wouldn't selling it now though leave you without any wide-angle options? It would. Well, I have the 35, but I, I don't have any
0: upcoming trips, uh, so I don't think I'm going to need it in the in the short to mid-term. Right. So I'm just happy to wait, and if something shakes up in the in the industry between now and when I have to buy the lens then I'll I'll make my choice there because, you know, Sigma is rumored to be working on some Sony lenses and other manufacturers I'm sure will also have something to announce over the next few months because that's just what the industry does. Of course. Yeah. So it can hurt to wait. I mean, I don't have any urgency. I don't need the lens right now, so I'm happy to wait.
1: Yeah. Better to be patient then. How cool would it be if you guys got access to the Sigma art lenses though? That would be really, that would be a strong win for the for the Sony ecosystem.
0: Right. I think they, they actually have said that they're working on, on Sony FE lenses. And I assume, I could be wrong, of course, but I assume they'll be just repackaged art lenses. I don't think they're going to come up with brand new optical designs.
1: Sure. But that would be fine. I mean, the art lenses are fabulous. So if you guys get oh, those, yeah. that's... Oh yeah. I'm not complaining about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I would probably want to you know, sell my 35 if if I could pocket the difference. That be something worth considering. I'm super happy with that lens, but the Sigma Art is just as good. So yeah, and it's, if it's I can have the same it. performance, yeah, if I can have yeah. the same performance and it costs half as much, then it's a bit of a no-brainer. I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, for sure. And now I've seen that people are doing that in terms of, um, uh, like, Sony users are using. Um, I forget which adapter it is that that supposedly does a decent job, but I think having having native support for that would be Hmm. ideal. Yeah.
0: The problem is Sony doesn't license their AF algorithms to third parties. So Sigma will have to reverse engineer it. They managed to do it with the A mount. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're, well, I mean, they also, technically they've already done it with the E mount as well, because they have the the adapter, like the MC 11 adapter. Uh, so they, they already know how to make lenses work with the Sony AF system. But the question is, have they managed to make them work well enough and fast enough and reliably enough? Have they managed to retain features like face detection, eye detection? Yeah. How, how good does the lens track motion? Because that's more and more important for Sony shooters, especially because the newer cameras are focusing heavily on that part of it. Like the A9 is almost exclusively designed for continuous AF precision and tracking and the 7R3 just you know inherits all of that tech so clearly a lens that's poor at tracking movement today is not going to cut it and i think they're just taking their time to to do things well which which i applaud them for i think that's absolutely the right strategy to to implement and i'm i'm eager to see what they come up with but we still don't know anything officially
1: yeah but like you said you're you're being patient and i think that'll pay off in the long run so we'll you know, you'll, you'll, we'll all see what, what they do and hopefully you'll be in a perfect position if they do launch the Sigma Arts for Sony to just say, yeah, I've got money stockpiled from before, I've been saving, I can pick up the primes that interest me, <laughs> ditch the ones that don't and be done with it.
0: Yeah, I, th- the saving part is the tricky part. <laughs> always is, always is. Yeah, yeah. If only I didn't have any other things to buy, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, I'm planning another, another trip for the summer like I told you guys privately uh, before, I'd love to go to Japan in, in August, which is going to be super hot, but it's the only time of the year where I can actually afford to make that trip. Right, And I'd love to have uh, the new lens with me by then. So that gives me roughly seven to eight months to figure out what I'm going to do and save up for, for the new lens. And um, I'm just taking my time. I'm trying not to rush things, but... There is a ticking clock, and i'd like I'd like this situation to be solved uh, by the summer. So we'll see.
2: Reasonable. Segway into the other big thing from the week. The other big thing <laughs> I mean, it was pretty big. Alvaro's trip was massive. It was a massive trip. i'm I'm jealous, but <laughs> oh yeah, the the guy the guy
0: who spent three weeks, three weeks in Africa is jealous of my little trip. okay.
1: Well, I just I just like travel. Okay, so I'm I'm always you know eager to to go to the next place. You would have loved Iguazu, by the way. You would have gone nuts. Yeah, I I have a feeling that's the case. I I'm looking forward to seeing more photos from there. So, guys, do you, you know what what the most amazing thing from my trip was? Uh,
0: the mosquitoes. I no, figured out I have a superpower.
2: Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, I can I can totally see the future. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Uh, all
2: right, all right. Because, Tell us more.
0: Because funnily, funnily enough, uh, you do you know how this was the first time that I left the MacBook Pro behind during my trip and just made everything work just with the iPad and implemented an entirely mobile uh, photography workflow. Yeah. Well, guess who came out? Came up with a with an article about uh, dedicated mobile <laughs> photography oh, <yeah>. workflows. Whoops.
1: <laughs> I, I I can't quite <laughs>
0: figure out the name. Yeah. What was that guy called? Like Mario something? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Love that guy, Mario. <laughs> that would be awesome. You just gotta get come up with a bit of a mustache, Marius. Oh man, yeah. No, but in, uh, in all
0: in all seriousness, though, uh, it's 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 freaky how similar the workflow that I that I ended up implementing is to everything you describe in the article. I mean, it's not exactly a coincidence because you did advise me on it so you recommend it for example cascable Cascable? Cascable? i don't know how to pronounce that i think Cascable uh, is
1: the way i've been saying it but i did Cascable?
0: Be... okay cascable it is then uh, anyway it's a great app i didn't i didn't know it existed and that was the last remaining piece of the puzzle that i couldn't quite figure out how to make work which is how to transfer my raw files from my camera to the iPad wirelessly. without yeah. a dedicated, yeah, wirelessly, without a dedicated SD card reader or, or anything like that. And yeah, it just, it did the trick wonderfully. And then when I came back, I, I got to reading your guide and I have to say it is a lot uh, more thorough than than I expected it to be. I mean, the the I got the basics right, so to speak, but there's so much more stuff in your guide that's worth pointing out and that's worth learning about. And that's why I'd, I'd be curious if you could kind of share with us a little bit how the how the article was created. How long did it take you to figure all of this out? Because I assume most of this came out from a very thorough trial and error process. And, and just in general, just talk to us, talk us through uh, how everything developed in your mind and on the page?
1: Sure. So, um, the article in question is a, is a guide that, that we published on the suite setup. Um, and it's, it's essentially my attempt to describe the current landscape of using an iPad in a professional context. Um, and, and it, for photography specifically. And I think the, like, I, obviously there was a lot of, um, Research during the writing process of the article, but most of the most of the information has actually just been accumulated over you know a couple of years of of making this work um, in my own workflow um, and and trying to see what is practical and what isn't practical and sort of watching the changes that have happened in the iOS ecosystem um, both on the operating system side and also on the on the third party software side. Um, Because a lot of that has advanced dramatically, especially in the last year. And as a result, a lot of things that used to be um, either impossible or impractical, um, they've been brought down to the level of easy and fun and intuitive and thus um, very much practical. So I think we're at the point now where an iPad is a very strong companion for a professional photographer, particularly when they are traveling. Um, because they can do, I, I would say like, you know, 85, 90% of, of what most professional photographers need to do, um, from an iPad and, and it saves them the, um, overhead of having a laptop with you. It's not, it's not always a size savings depending on which laptop you typically, uh, typically bring, but I think there's, a, um, there's a usage difference that that's important. The, the iPad is focused in a way that a laptop is not, um, and especially if you are um an iPhone user it means one fewer set of of charging cables and things to bring it means you know there's there's advantages to uh, to the leanness of it but um yeah i basically i i wanted to walk people through everything from the shooting process or the planning pre-production process um to what you do to get the images from your camera to your iPad because there are several ways of doing it and each of them have their own sort of advantages and disadvantages and then how you can manage those photos on the iPad and that's that's i think been um the weakest link in a lot of ways is is because of the nature of iOS in terms of files and file systems and and what apps can access it's been a bit annoying to deal with you know large piles yeah. of photos and it's still. Yeah, is. and honestly, that's what that's what's kept me from yeah. actually using this workflow in the past. Yeah, and it's not it's not perfect by any means now, but I think it's I think we're at a point where um that inconvenience is outweighed by all the other benefits, um, at least for for my usage. So I just want to make one comment, which is the
0: my favorite part of the the article is just how clear it is to me that this guide couldn't have been written you know, by someone doing research right now, someone who's not deeply familiar with the ecosystem and that hasn't, like you said, spent several actual years working their way through the workflow, right? Because there's just so many moving parts that have evolved over time, like you said, and it just totally comes across when you're reading the piece and that's my favorite part of it and I think it's 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 a great article, so kudos on that. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Because I, I want it to be useful. And and it's, um yeah, there are a lot of moving parts to it. I, I think m- my biggest struggle in planning the article was trying to um make sure that it is not overwhelming. Because there are so many, like for everything that I recommend, there are, you know, two alternatives, five alternatives, 10 alternatives. And it's not super useful to just sort of throw all of those alternatives at people, I don't think. Because ultimately if we're if we're recommending a workflow i can only tell you what what definitively works right like i can tell you that there are all these alternatives but if if i haven't used every possible combination then it's not really it it's not as useful as me just saying look this is the combination that i've used these are why i made these particular choices here's how it all works. And then everybody who's reading it can refine that list for themselves and say, okay, well, this one doesn't appeal to me, but this other alternative does. And, you know, they can, they can sort of work their way through what makes the most sense for them. But I think for an article like this, it's just not useful to, to throw everything in the kitchen sink at people because then you just, there's nothing to take away from it. It becomes just a a wall of, of info.
0: True. True. And people will have different preferences for each of the steps and that's totally fine. And the, the, the important part, I think, is to encourage people to experiment like you like you did. Like you, you reach this level of knowledge and experience by experimenting. That's the key to everything. So the article is a great starting point, I would say. It's not the end all be all that's going to solve everything in your photography workflow.
2: Exactly, exactly. We, we, we talked about this a little bit, right, Marius, when we were editing it was, do we throw in a table of contents or not? Yeah. And the ultimate argument was like, oh, well, the, you know, the Joe Blow who comes in uh, from Google or whatever, and they're looking for the next step in their workflow, they might already have solved the first four steps. Yeah. So they need to jump to the fifth one. So anyway, just case in point. um, Yeah, exactly that. That's why that table of contents is there for anybody who, you know, uh, already has solved something within their own workflow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Having it be modular is important um, because, yeah, like you said, some people have already solved parts of it, and they just need advice on on other bits.
0: Um, I'm also curious because you said um, before we started recording, you said to me that a lot of stuff got cut out. Yeah, and I understand that's necessary to make the piece more approachable, like like we were just saying. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious as to what specific items were cut out, and maybe this is a, a a better place to elaborate a bit about about those because people can go and read the article and then. Everything else that's not covered. We cut
2: cast cable or a po- a bunch of that, right?
1: Yeah. So for for example, the cast cable section. Um, initially, what I had done was um unpacked a bit more of the uh, specifics of what you can can control and can't control depending on which cameras you use. So for uh, for me, I was I was comparing the functionality that's available for Fujifilm cameras versus Olympus cameras because there are some nuanced differences in terms of what um, controls can be accessed, what settings you can change, um, what kind of information is presented. Um, and so that's that's something that I sort of went into more detail uh, on there, but it's not it's not something that's super relevant to what this article is trying to cover. So that sort of stuff went out. There's also, um again about Cascable, there was a section that mentioned um, what was then a beta feature but has now been officially released. Um, they have a a, a shutter robot um functionality in the app oh, yeah. that just got s- like seriously upgraded to have almost like a mini workflow app built into it. So you can now create these extremely detailed um, workflows that instructs the camera to do um interval shooting or specific bracketing, um, all sorts of crazy stuff that typically you would have required um, the firmware of the camera to to do, right? And so for instance, on my EM1 Mark II, you can't get more than one stop difference when you're doing bracketing. Right. With the built-in um, with the built-in thing. So you, you can have a, a maximum of of one EV um between the bracketed shots. And for some people, that's not enough. They might want more. So through cable, you can have the one EV difference and then exceed it um because the control is being, um, done through the app instead of the camera. So there's, it, it broadens the functionality of the app, but it can also unlock new things for the cameras, which is really exciting. Um, but again, it was something that's, that's very specific to the app and it's beyond the scope of, of this kind of article. So that got cut out, (laughs) but it is, it is a neat, it is a neat thing. And it's, um, I think Cascable is is sort of the hidden gem in this in this article because a lot of people haven't heard of it, but it uh, it does so much stuff <laughs> for photographers that it's it's well worth a look.
0: And it's super exciting that they keep finding out new stuff to implement because this workflow feature, uh, like you were you were aware that it was coming, but for me it came out of nowhere and it's just incredible. Yeah. So it makes me very excited to to think about what features are they working on right now and what the future will bring for the app yeah. it really is a wonderful app yeah
1: yeah so that was one of the things um there was also uh, i would say that i probably cut out uh, i don't remember exactly how many but several options in the in the editing space um because there there are a ton of apps now for different kinds of specific editing of photos and and ultimately each of them had Merit, but they they didn't necessarily um offer as much to set them apart from the competition as the ones that that made it into the article. I, I find that the ones that I mentioned are the ones that I turn to most often because they do each of them has something about them that um makes it so that I feel like I can't accomplish that as well with any other app. So it's sort of they're necessary to to my full workflow in a way that the other apps. Are not. I turn to them less often, and sometimes it's just on a whim. Sometimes just because I have them, not necessarily because they're better. Just you know, to to see where they've where they've ended up in terms of updates and stuff. So um, that that stuff got cut out because it's not it's not my selection. You know, it's it's not the pick. It's like an alternative. Right. It's it's mostly that sort of stuff that that got cut out, honestly, and and random other little details and nitpicks. Um, I cut down the um, the section on iCloud Photo Library initially i spent more time complaining about the lack of reliability for the um uh, for the sync and for what not not for the sync sorry the sync has been very reliable but the uh what iCloud photo library decides to keep downloaded onto the device yeah um, that has been entirely unpredictable and a source of almost endless frustration for me um it's it's my biggest complaint with an otherwise um excellent photo sync solution um
0: yeah i think the design flaw there is that Apple just assumes that your connectivity, your cellular service is always going to be available, yeah, so that it can retrieve any originals as needed in an in an almost transparent way. but of course, that's not always the case, especially when you're traveling that's that's a very big problem. You very rarely have access to full mobile data um, you know streams and everything. so, yeah, for me, that was a problem i i could I had to choose when to sync my my pictures to the cloud, and I mostly did it overnight, Yeah, uh, which worked fairly well because I was lucky enough to have decent Wi-Fi on all of the places where I stayed. Uh, but if that's not the case, then yeah, it's it's not ideal. And like you said, with Adobe's uh, suite of apps, at least you know what you're going to get. And at least you know that the originals are in the cloud. You can sort of plan ahead, you know. you, you Once you know certain limitation exists, You can work your way around it but if if it's unpredictable you have no way of 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 preparing yourself
1: yeah no and and, and that's unfortunate and the fact that you can't so for me the the biggest frustration with it is that i can sometimes import an image and immediately go to try and edit that image and it's starting to download it like i just imported this image and already it's it's shuffled it off to the cloud um, and, and in theory, doing something like favoriting an image is supposed to indicate to iCloud photo library that, hey, this is one I'd prefer to keep downloaded because, you know, I, I show it off frequently and that just doesn't work reliably. Like it's not it's unpredictable, I think. Fundamentally, that's what it is, is I do not know at any point in time whether a photo is downloaded or not. I want it to be, but I have no idea. It's always a surprise. And that's not good um, experience design. It's just it's unpredictable. But I I spent maybe too much time complaining about that. And given that the suite setup recommends iCloud Photo Library as the best (laughs) solution for everyone, I was like, hmm, maybe this is... Sounds to me like you have a very strict editor, though. (laughs) My editor is is a special, special man who puts spaces (laughs) between M dashes and text and properly it's just like properly oh man a lot of tears in well the show, in huh?
0: his defense i have to say i also prefer spaces around my m dashes
1: i know but but you're not my editor so it's okay <laughs> for you to be wrong
2: okay we spend more time arguing about the whole like <clears throat> consistency and bulleted lists that was the funny one <laughs> everyone uh, has to start in a verb and everything has to do this and they got to be consistent oh yeah this was by good. the way and in case
0: I, in case listeners are not familiar with this whole arrangement uh the editor is Josh. <laughs> I don't think we have ever said that. Before. <laughs> I, I don't
2: know if I've actually officially said that online or uh, like officially. No, that's true. But yeah, well- yeah. So I took over as the, the editor in chief of the suite setup. So anyway, that. So, yeah. Now, now what I say goes, it's like I'm boss. It's kind of fun. I've never been the boss before. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's less fun uh, on this other side, but <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's honestly the article is obviously better for for having had a, a good editor look over it, and it's uh it's it's fun to have an editor when you're working on things. I think when we when we're independent bloggers, we get used to having to be our own editors, right. and while while yeah. that's fine in some cases, um, it does make a difference when you have different eyeballs on a piece, and it's not. It's not necessarily for the things that you expect. Um, sometimes it's just semantic problems, but sometimes it's like, "Hey, the the structure of this does not flow well. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, this could go there, and suddenly it would be much more um, intelligible." And it's like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't think of that." So, it is, it is good to uh, to have that process, um, even when you're Probably. wrong about
2: punctuation. <laughs> I <laughs> throw that shot in there. Probably my favorite part of the whole of the whole article, um, from my point of view, is the the very end where it says my my workflow, the section on my workflow. And you've just got six steps on how you handle your photography workflow on an iPad on the go. And I think uh, now, if I could do anything differently with this article, it would be like to go and interview some other people who use their iPad fairly frequently and add in their workflows yeah. and just kind of give... A variety of, of workflows um, on, on the suite setup. You know, we have that Learn Ulysses course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't a pitch. All I'm trying to say is like there's different people that we've got interviews in there, which they talk about how they use Ulysses and they're each individually, you know, like they're different. And I, I maybe I'm interested in a specific set of shoes, but uh, when I go to these articles, I find those parts just to be the most most fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, You can go through each individual piece and so on, but, but this is actually what the editor or sorry, what the author recommends. And here are some interviews of people who do it differently. Um, and then you can pick and choose how you want to do it. So anyway, I, I think that part is the, is the coolest part. Um, and we gotta we gotta get more interviews onto this into this guide, like even updated in the future. I agree. Just on yeah. how different people use it, and and keep it updated because I guys, this was an, a pop this was a popular article. There's no doubt about it. It got a couple couple links, and um and I think it opened the eyes of some readers. That's for sure.
0: Are you guys still doing the like the sweet setup interviews? The sweet Mac and I. We're trying and... to
2: get back into them on the Mondays. Yeah. Yep, you betcha. Well, I
0: think this is this is yep. like another option to continue in that in that line of work. Like you could have. Photography setups, not just Mac setups or iOS setups, but also mobile photography setups and desktop photography setups. Why not? Uh, It'd be interesting to learn how people out there are using the tools that Apple and third party developers create, because they are extremely powerful. And uh, I I have a very strong suspicion that most of them go uh, underutilized to say that euphemistically. Good word. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. No. You're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, it does take time to build trust in these kinds of workflows, and and I think that's that's maybe what uh, what has contributed to this article's um, appeal for people so far is just that everyone's had this suspicion that it's possible. Like all the pieces were kind of there, but it's hard to know what it looks like, sort of zoomed out. Like how did the, how does it all fit together? Is anyone actually doing this? Does it work? Um, and it's the sort of stuff that you don't really. It takes a lot. Believe me, it takes a lot of time hmm. to to answer those questions. So um, it's it's good that we were able to to assemble this. And and there's other stuff that we're that we're working on for um, iPad based workflows. And I think we'll see more um, articles, not just from us, obviously, but in general as the iPad matures as a platform. Um, and for instance, for the for the photography workflows, I think that as iOS evolves, there are going to be more pathways. Like right now. Unfortunately, it's, it's probably the case that um, other photographers' workflows are not going to vary hugely from mine, only because unfortunately, there's because of the way that um, file importing and stuff like that works, there's kind of only one way to do most of the steps with just a few different variations. Um, so you're not going to get into like entirely different workflows until iOS itself becomes a little more flexible. Um, Which is fine, but that's that's exactly the kind of stuff that, that leaves room for future updates because as iOS evolves, all of this stuff will change and that's pretty exciting.